go ahead and pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the chance to get together and, man, Lord, worship you. And Father, I just pray in the midst of the times that we're in that people would remember, uh, man, that you're still in control. Um, you always have been, Lord, that times have come in this world um, that have seemed out of control many, many times, and you've always held it together. And Lord, that you have a plan, even if it doesn't feel that way sometimes, um, to our perspective, that you have a plan. And Father, I pray for everyone here, everyone listening, watching, whether now or in the future, that they would be open to the movement of your spirit and, uh, man, put aside their hurts and their frustrations and let you to come in and heal those places. And Father, I pray that uh, you would help me to preach your word and only your word and that I wouldn't get in the way. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. How you guys doing? Wow, that was embarrassing. Uh, they can hear you. Let's try again. How you guys doing? Yeah, that was fake, but really glad that you did it. So I'm um, really excited to be here today. Hope you guys are doing well. My name is Todd. I'm the pastor here. Um, if you're watching this video and it blesses you, appreciate it if you'd share it and like it, etc. Um, man, one of the things that I have noticed with these services are people don't realize how difficult it is. At first, it was difficult to talk to the camera with no one in the room. I want you to picture that. Completely empty. Like two people. Then it's difficult now to get used to you guys squirming around and moving and eating candies and, uh, you know, all that stuff that you think anyone can't hear and seeing our crew run around. I'm like a squirrel, so it's never their fault. It's that I'm distracted by any movement uh, like a squirrel. So it's, uh, we're all learning together. Man, what a week we have had, honestly. We being uh, here in America, but really over the, across the world. Um, honestly, it's been a crazy year, hasn't it? It's nuts that it's almost June. I don't know if you guys know that. And it's felt hectic, it's felt scary, it's felt all over the place. There's sort of this sense of chaos, like I, you feel it everywhere, just, just things are just spinning out of control. And there's so much negativity, I mean, it's, even the word negativity has become another word and it's almost frustrating because, do you know, have you ever noticed we use certain words times we shouldn't, right? So say I go, you know, if I go order an ice cream and they don't have the ice cream I want, I'll come out and be like, man, this is just, there's so much negativity out there, right? So then when really negative times come, it kind of loses its meaning. Does that make sense? Yeah, man, it's a rough crew today. Yeah, it, it is. It's, uh, so when I talk about negativity, I feel like it's one of those things that we've kind of become numb to because we use the word too often when we don't actually mean it. But we're really in a time of negativity. Between COVID-19 and the division that that caused and the difficulty of social distancing, people began to no longer be used to being around each other. You guys are probably still learning how to interact with each other. Beyond your little family unit, it's, it's incredible how quickly we start to just drift People wanting to stay closed, other people wanting to open, conflicting reports, states are fighting. It was just a crazy time. Media is attacking the president, the president is attacking the media, people are upset. Social media has conflicting reports. Uh, there's advice one way, there's advice another way. There's media heads talking and arguing all the time, which depending on which channel. It just feels, am I crazy or do you guys feel that? Are you awake? Yeah, it's crazy. And then we've had this tragedy and, and the evil of the death of George Floyd. And I hesitate to talk about him because I have a problem with a human being becoming 
a symbol. With a human being becoming just a name to slap on someone's cause, that bothers me. It does, because it, he's a person, and uh, that's tragic. And certainly we should use it as something to look to and injustice and all those things and, and change. I, I believe in all that, but man, let's not remember this as a human being, not a name to slap to a movement that you want to be a part of. But in the midst of all this, but, but he has, and, and what happened to him um, has led to other crazy things. And it's funny because we just seamlessly went from one thing to another, didn't we? COVID-19, we're not talking about so much. Now we're talking about race and injustice and uh, rioting and looting and burning and people are attacking each other and friends and family are in bitter disagreement. There's video, the, the videos of buildings on fire, have you guys seen those, the really big ones? They've seemed kind of fitting to me because everything feels so out of control and dangerous. It's, it's we're burning, right? I mean, it's just, it's, it, it's crazy. It is. You can feel the anxiety in the air. People are afraid to say anything. People are afraid to talk. People are afraid to post because everyone's looking to bite someone. The injustice of it all calls us to respond in some manner. But so many people disagree on what the response should look like. What does that mean? People are scared and people are hurting. That's the truth, guys. When the majority of time when people are biting, whether they act tough or not, there's fear there. We talked about that last week, right? That the root of that attacking is fear. People are wondering how to right the wrongs of society and culture. Everyone seems to be looking for someone or some group to blame. And this isn't any one side here. So before someone... Even me, and I'm pretty bold. I thought I was, but I find myself questioning things I say, rereading, wondering, uh, thinking, because people are looking for something to find to say I'm this or to say I'm that. Because someone wants someone to blame, it's far easier to have someone or something to blame than to deal with the root of a lot of this. This is all the sides. This division, disunity, it can all feel overwhelming. It can feel out of control. Am I right? If you're watching, am I right? And that leads us to the church, capital C. But the remnant too, we're a part of that. Recently, what's our, what's our response? Because people are looking. So recently I was tagged in a, I don't know the right words for it, meme, e-card, whatever, all right, a picture with words, and it was from, it was a screenshot that had been spread around social media, it's, I think it's still on my page somewhere, I don't know where this stuff is, but, and it said, a guy said, if you're a, paraphrasing, whoever wrote this, said, if you are a pastor, ministry leader, and you are remaining silent, then, I don't know, something, you don't care, and then something along the lines of, I see everything on your walls, but I, I see you silent now. And the first guy that, that questioned me or, or tagged me in this is an atheist that I have a dialogue with. We're okay. We get along, I think. Um, he wanted, and he said, he, he wrote at the top, he says, Todd, this, I want to know what you think of this. That's why I watch Real Talk. That's what he said, to have these discussions. And so I thought about it, and I said, deal, right away. And I wanted to think of how to respond. And I waited a couple of days. And then another person from my hometown liked this, right? That's the... The passive, aggressive, subtle way of like, don't you forget, Todd, you said you were going to do this. 
Now, the truth is, why did they want me to do that? See, I'm not mad because the world is looking to see how the church responds. Not just during this, though this is true, but during all of it. During COVID-19, during this, when there's a people, I, I love it because regardless of what they believe, they look to the city on the hill, right, to say, what is your response? What does your God say? Now, you're a part of the church, so whether you believe it or not, you are on a hill. People are looking to you, people that don't know God, and they're saying, what does your God say? The world wants to see how the church responds. Some are genuinely looking for direction. They genuinely want to know, what do we do? What do we do? What does this look like? And then there's others looking for another reason to attack. But that shouldn't stop us from giving a reason. Because our God has spoken on these things. Did you know that? Did you know that your God, if you call yourself a Christian, if you are, that your God has spoken on these things? That your response, it's not gray. See, people want to say that sometimes. I'm not saying it's easy. But we know how to respond. And sometimes we we want to skip the step that we're given and get to something deeper. We want to be the fixers. When it's only God that can fix and heal. In the midst of it all, all people who call themselves Christians are being forced to deal with what they really believe. I'm serious. Whether you know it or not, every day since all this happened, you are actually being forced to deal with what you really believe. It's one thing to say, I believe in this parachute. It's another to jump out of the plane. Now we're being forced to reconcile. If you're out there right now as a Christian, you're being forced to reconcile your fears, your worries, your frustrations, your anger with what Jesus teaches. Because sometimes his teachings don't make you feel more comfortable and safe. And you have to deal with that. We have to deal with that. Because he's not moving. Right? He's he's not going to move in that stalemate. He's not going to change the line because it makes you uncomfortable or me uncomfortable. And make no mistake, I'm uncomfortable sometimes. We're forced to deal with a fork in the path. We're forced to deal with the radical nature of what Jesus says and teaches. Will I follow him now? What do we do when what he calls us to do doesn't seem fair or doesn't seem just? Justice is for the Lord. Did you know that? What if the world's definition of justice collides with Jesus' view of it? What if your view of justice and my view of justice, our country's view of justice, the world's view of justice is not the way God intended it to be? What if that's not what it looks like? Do one billion, four billion, five billion people's view and their position on something make it right over the will of God? It's so funny when so many of us as Christians, I see, I see brothers and sisters right now, and I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, some of you don't understand what you're saying. In your attempt to love, what you think is love, which is really giving itching ears what they want to hear. See, that's funny to quote when it involves worshiping other gods and all these things. What about when it changes the definition of love? Are you telling people what they want to hear because it's politically correct? Are you telling people what they want to hear because it's the truth? Are you telling people the truth? 
I don't get upset at the world, I, the world's views of certain things. You know, when someone says Jesus said this, Jesus said that, you wouldn't believe how many people over the last week that are not Christians would tell you that have tried to teach me about Jesus. Sometimes, they, sometimes there's valuable things to be challenged on, but most of the time it's not. And I'm not upset at them because they don't know. What I get upset about is when I see a Christian remain silent on things they know. On a Christian doesn't want to speak up because it's not politically correct. You can be a popular pastor and not preach the truth. In fact, most of the time, I shouldn't say that, many times that could be the case. I felt that pressure. I'm not talking about when we, we make mistakes. Did you know pastors make mistakes? They sometimes say things they don't mean. Yeah, I know, it's shocking. It doesn't mean they don't love Jesus. I'm talking about people who literally have, who compromise the truth for clicks, views, and money. But whereas, what do we do when he calls us to something that doesn't seem fair or just? What do we do when what we say we believe collides with our natural inclinations and our cultural biases? Oof, it's big words. That means what we believe versus what we've been raised in. Taught. That's both sides. That's every side. This idea, too, of viewpoints. Why is it that we feel like to love someone means to give credence or to give validity to all viewpoints? What if my viewpoint was to shoot everybody in this room? I believe that. Well, that hurts people. Okay. What about if you all hurt my family? Okay. What about if all of you look like people that hurt my family? At what point am I allowed to? And again, don't read into what you think I'm saying because I'm not talking about race here. I'm talking about in general. Oftentimes we say that the one thing in the world that Christians, all Christians, all churches, even the world would say we agree on, right, is love. Love. God calls us to love. I can get behind that. I disagree. I disagree with you. I disagree with that statement, because I believe that the type of love Jesus calls us to is incredibly divisive. I think it's incredibly difficult to accept, for me too. I think it's incredibly difficult to swallow. I think the kind of radical love that Jesus calls his disciples to is the true, listen to me, the true place of contention. That is the true place, despite what they tell you. His love and what he calls you to do in that love is the real place, the true separating stick where we see how devoted we truly are to being his disciple. Todd, what are you talking about? That sounds crazy. No, it's the truth. And by the end of this, I think I'll at least give you my viewpoint. <laughs> see what I did there? Go to the Bible. What kind of love is that? What kind of love would divide, would actually be the sticking point between Christians and non and all those things? I'll tell you. God defines love for us. It's defined the kind of love in 1 Corinthians 13. You've, seen, you've heard me, seen me preach it. Some of you won't even look at you like, I already know it. It's going to be on the screen. Starting in verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church in Corinth. Before this and in the midst of this, he's talking about spiritual gifts. That's important. He's like, hey, listen, you're not all going to have the same gifts. Quit trying to do that. There's a lesson there. If a church tells you that everyone should have one gift, hmm, Paul says something different. He says, is everybody an apostle? Is everybody a teacher? Is everybody a healer? Is everybody a preacher? Is everybody this? No, they're not. We are all one body. You can't have a body made up of feet. That would be weird and smelly. You can't have right a body made up of heads. That would be annoying, right? Because they all talk at the same time. Reminds me of the news. Anyway, 
And then in the midst of it, he says, listen, these are all cool things, but I'm going to tell you, and at the end of verse 12, he says, I'm going to, I'm sorry, chapter 12, he says, I'm going to tell you an even better way, essentially a better gift. He says, if I speak human or angelic languages, who would like to speak to angels? Tell the truth. Thank you for being honest. Anybody in here? Okay, he says, if you could do that, but you don't have love, or if I speak, or you speak, I am a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. You're just noise. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, who would like to understand everything, how it fits together? Yeah, this is what God says through the Apostle Paul. If I have all, he says, if I have faith so it can move mountains, who'd like to be able to go out and tell a tree to move even? Not even a mountain. I would. Don't lie. That'd be awesome. At least one time, right? But do not have love. I am nothing. Think about that. If I could tell a mountain to move, if I could understand everything there is to understand, but I don't love, I am nothing. Even this is shocking. We like to read it like, oh, that's so beautiful. Boy, that's convicting to me. That's convicting. He says, if I donate all my goods to feed the poor, that's a good thing, right? Let's give to the poor. If I give my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. So can you feed the poor but not love them? Absolutely you can. Do not be like the Pharisees who walk around saying, look at me, look at me, right? Love is patient. Now he gives us the definition. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It's not boastful. All that all sounds good, is it? How patient are you? Love is kind. Are you kind? Where's the but? Love is kind except for people you don't like. Except for people that hurt you. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It's not boastful. It's not conceited. Love does not act improperly. It's not selfish. It's not provoked. And does not keep a record of wrongs. Does, love finds no joy in unrighteousness but rejoices in the truth. That's, go back to that. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness but rejoices in the truth. You like to see people get what they deserve? Does that, does that make you feel good? It bears all things. What bears all things? Puts up with. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Love never ends. Well, so far so good still, right? You love your brothers, your sisters, your mom, your dad, your wife. That's cool. You will never end. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for languages, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. Essentially, he goes on to say, listen, no matter what happens, even at the, when Jesus comes back, we're still going to have love. The rest of those gifts, we don't need them anymore. We live with God. All right, sound good? You're good. Sound good? Yeah, that's, come on, does that sound good? Hey, I'm fired up today. I need some interaction. Does that sound good? Yeah, all right, cool. Thank you. Yeah, that sounds great. Man, I sound like a, like a southern pastor there, didn't I? No offense. I need a towel. I'm from the south. I can say that. All right? Isn't that how it works? This kind of love sounds beautiful. But the weird thing is, is that the Apostle Paul, hear me, pastors, stay with me. Some of you get grumpy and look for ways I mess up. That's okay, I'm going to tell you. It says this kind of love is only possible through the Holy Spirit. Huh. That's a gift. That you are enabled and equipped to do that because of the Holy Spirit that's in you. Why? Why does it take the Holy Spirit to do that? Because listen, while beautiful, the idea of loving people like this, even close to us, 100% of the time is unrealistic. Taylor, you've got to love your husband 100% of the time, just like that, do you? She goes, no, very sheepishly. All right, thank you for being honest. Yeah, that's, that's the case. But that's the example. That's love. That's unrealistic, isn't it? 
Thank God for grace. Thank God that he doesn't get tired of loving us that way. This kind of love that you're called to is so radical, so beautiful, so indescribable that it's hard to fathom. Picture a kind of love like that. Sometime, you don't have to do it now because I want you to pay attention. Go back and read that and actually let yourself consider the possibility that that's possible. That's unbelievable. What if everyone did that? That sounds good, doesn't it? That's the part that we can all almost at least verbally agree on. Everyone in the world, if I put this on a paper, well, probably 90%, would say, yes, I believe in that. They do. That's the part, but that isn't the radical part, even though that seems impossible. That's not the radical part. I like this. You with me? Are you watching out there? Because that's not the radical part. The radical part comes in how we are to apply this kind of love. Because you are willing to do that with your friends. You're willing to strive for it for your loved ones, your mom, your dad, your daughters, your sons, your brothers, sisters, your wife, your spouse, your will, even your dog. <laughs> By the way, some of you are more patient with your dog than you are your spouse. Yeah, there you go, right? Yeah. You ready? You ready for a shocking part? Well, I'm going to build up to the shock. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, starting at verse 36, we're going to go through verse 40. When you got to say, I got it. Okay, one person. We're good. It's on the screen. And if you're watching from home, it's on the screen. How nice is that? Teacher? Who do you think they were calling teacher? It's Jesus. So a guy comes up to Jesus in the midst of his ministry and he says, Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? He, Jesus, said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. You ready? This is interesting. I love the Bible. God, God's got little nuggets for you in there. Remember in 1 Corinthians it says, listen, you can go throw a mountain in the sea, you can speak in angels, but it's nothing. God is saying here, you want to do all the commandments, do these two things. Love is connected to it all. Love. Because if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, are you going to listen to Him? If you love others or yourself, are you going to murder them? No, you're not. Are you going to steal their house? No. You're going to kick them? You're going to pay them back for every time they hurt you? Love your neighbor as yourself. As yourself. You've heard me say this before if you're a longtime remnant person. I love it because God takes away the guessing game for us. If He would have just said, Love your neighbor, you'd have been like, Well. I mean, I love him better than that guy. No, no, no. Love him as yourself, because the only person you really love the most is yourself. That's who you love the most. That's the struggle. You love yourself. If you wouldn't want it done to you, don't do it to someone else. You don't want someone to speak to you the way you speak to them, don't do it. Now, I don't have this verse up for you, but then they tried to trick him just like we do today. This happens all the time. Well, who's your neighbor? I can already hear people, social media people going, okay, Todd, but who's my neighbor really? He says that, and Jesus tells a parable, and he talks about a man walking down the road, right? And he says, it's a Samaritan. Guess what a Samaritan is? Insert your enemy. Insert the person you're disgusted by that's wronged you, that's evil, whatever else person it is. And he's, he says, this guy picked him up, right? He took care of him. The guy was sick on the side of the road. He paid for his room. He loved him. He said, that, that's your neighbor, whoever. Whoever needs it. Everyone. That's pretty 
Pretty radical, right? You got to love everyone that way. Does that sound radical? No? You guys asleep? I'll quit right now. I will. Sorry for the rest of you. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah, no. It's, it, I mean, it is. It's radical. But he makes it even more radical. He further, it's, I feel like he kind of goes, okay, here's the line. And then you're like, it's pretty tough. All right, I'm to the line. He's like, okay, that was, here's the real line. How far are you willing to follow him down the path? Here's the next step. In Matthew chapter 5, I need to find the exact verses here. Verses 43 through 48. So you're actually going back in the book. He says, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Seems valid, right? You don't like your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he causes his Son, S-U-N, to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward will you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing out of the ordinary? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Oh, man. For those of you who have no idea what, why they're so mad at the IRS, a tax collector back then would have been a Jewish person who betrayed his people and worked for the Roman Empire. They were often also corrupt because if Caesar tells me to take five gold, I'm just going to say that, I'll say five dollars, you understand. If he tells me to take five dollars and I tell you to give me ten, you're not going to argue with me. I pocket the five, make sure Caesar gets his five. I'm rich, he's rich, who's unhappy? Oh, you are. They're traitors. What does he mean by Gentiles? Remember, guys, you in this room, unless you happen to grow up and you were Jewish, come from Israel, or a Jewish person, you were all Gentiles. You were all would have been viewed by the Jewish people as ugh. Think about that. You are the one that uses the example of someone bad. Loving your enemy. Guys, listen, he says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. You've heard, you've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's not a misquote. There's no exceptions. There is no but on the end of it. This is the problem, my friends, that are watching. And this is the place where we begin to see that Jesus' call is more radical than you can fathom. It's one thing to tell someone else to love their enemy. It's another thing to swallow the pill saying, I will love my enemy. Who's your enemy? I don't know. Todd, he's talking about the rioting. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm not. You have enemies. Both sides. We're entering into discussions we shouldn't be entering into. That's the truth. Stand up for injustice, absolutely, but not at the expense of love. Period. I'm a warrior by nature, okay? I'm not a soldier, Marines, whoever. No, I'm not a Marine. Anyway, but I am. I'm a guy that likes to fight. If someone punches me, I want to punch back. I've done that in my life. But I'm not going to lie to myself and tell me that pleases God. I'm not going to say he's okay with it in this case. There are no buts. You see, everyone tries to soften the teachings of Jesus to make them more palatable, to make them less radical, and to make them more describable. A good friend of mine recently, I respect him, used to go to this church. He shared a thing, and he's talking about, we've got to end the oppression. You know, we've got to do whatever we've got to do. And then when called out about it, he said, listen, I'm not, I'm not condoning violence, but the oppression has to end. What are you saying? What does the but mean? You're just being a coward. You're saying, 
I'm not saying I'm going against Jesus, but I will if it leads here. And you wrap it in self-righteousness and love. Love. The other, I'm not taking a side. I can literally tell you things I've seen that disgust me on both sides. Particularly from Christians. You are no worse when you say something like that. When you, when you say but to destruction and hurting people than the person who is saying hate that person because of their race. There is no difference. At least as far as following Jesus. Both are failing. You're just picking who your enemy is, right? Guys, we, we cannot let culture or situations or the world make what Jesus says more palatable. I mean, there are things people say that sounds good to me. It sounds good to say every, you know, like, it's not that we are to ignore injustice. Absolutely we stand up. But not at the expense of Christ's direction. And here's the reason why. Is that because, well, you're telling me Jesus wouldn't care about this? No, of course he would. I just trust God when he says he will handle it. That's both. We'll get to that in a minute. I want to talk about love in a second because I think you'll understand more where I'm coming from right now. Some of you think I'm, I'm preaching for one side. I'm not. The first thing that shows us how much we secretly rebel against the hard teachings of Jesus is the buts. You are to love your enemy. But Todd, yes, I know I'm supposed to love my enemy. But, yes, I'm not saying I condone violence. But, but means something. It means something. What's your but? What is your well, except? What's the area that you try to soften the hard truth of Jesus? Remember what his disciples said to him many times. They said, this is hard teaching. He said, let those who have ears to hear, listen. And it doesn't have to be a huge scale like what's happening right now. It could be in your day-to-day life. I don't understand them, so I hate them. They're telling me I'm doing something wrong, so I hate them. See, this was the problem and why many of the disciples deserted Jesus. And I didn't say apostles, though they did too. His disciples. I want you to understand that it said there were how many people on the hill? There were two different times. How many people? Anyone going to know the number? Bible people that followed Jesus. Don't look at me confused. How many did he feed? Bethany, you're the one with the confused face. How many feed? How many feed? 5,000. He also fed another time. How many feed? He fed thousands. So that means thousands of people are following this guy, liking what he has to say, right? How many thousands were beside him on the cross? Why? Because they thought he was going to lead them and bring them justice the way they expected with the sword. That's what they thought. He didn't fit their mold of a leader. You've got to understand the situation. Let me tell you a situation before you say, well, he's not living in our times. His people had been conquered and were a step above slaves in the Roman Empire. Okay, That's the situation they lived in. They were oppressed. The Jewish people were oppressed. But on top of that, let's not say the Jewish people weren't innocent. They had outcasts too. Okay, you're sick. You're a leper. Uh, You're a Samaritan. Uh, You're this. You're that. Um, You've been divorced. You've sinned. Get away from me. Okay, so then they're below. Everybody had somebody to not love. That would have been hard to love. But Jesus loved them all. 
Did he taught? Yeah, he did. He healed a Roman soldier's child. Jesus was a Jew. This is his oppressor. This is a soldier. This soldier has the audacity to come to Jesus and say, hey, who, they have treated his people poorly and said, please, my daughter needs you. Jesus went. He healed her. He loved a Samaritan woman that the Jewish people said were outcasts. He loved her. The enemies. He healed the ear. Listen to me. He healed the ear of the people who came to arrest him falsely. Do you understand that? It sounds great until you're called to do it. Some of you have been in church too long. That's real talk. Some of you have been in church way too long. Because you don't, you don't hear it anymore. You think you're a part of the in crowd, so you get to change the definition because you've known him longer than us. We are in a strange time. Guys, love the way God tells us to love. It's indescribable. It's indescribable to love someone that way. Do you want to know why you cry when you see the pictures of, of riot gear, someone and he, him hugging a, a person, one of the rioters? Do you know why? Because that's indescribable. That shouldn't happen. When you see violence and two people come in the middle and say, I don't, I'm not going to do it, and they love each other, that's indescribable. How do we love indescribably? First off, you even have to ask yourself, I'm going to give you some things. This is the bonus. So if you're taking notes, this isn't even number one. This is your bonus. Do you even want to? Because if you don't want to, then turn around and walk down the other path. Quit calling yourself what you're not. I didn't say, do you fail at it? Do you struggle? Do you want to love like that? If you don't want to love like that, then quit pretending. Have the courage to be like the other people who say, no, we're going to be this. I at least respect them because they have, the convert, they have the courage of their convictions. There are Christians out there that don't. Your convictions change based on who's around. Because it's not popular no matter which crowd you think you're in, no matter how hip your church is, it's not popular to follow Jesus with somebody. It's just not. Todd, why are you so angry? Because people are they're changing God's love. It's passion anyway, it's not anger, right? That's what I tell myself to feel better. So here's your list. It's not going to be on the screen. I know. I love my sister Sue. She's already mad. You're going to have to listen. Somebody will put it up for you. How do we love indescribably? Do you want to love like that? I'll ask again. Do you want to love like that? You should if you say you're a Christian. So how do we do it? How do we do it? How do we love that way? Number one, these are first and foremost, pray. This is another bonus. Maybe I already have that in there, so I gave you. No? Okay, good. You need to pray. Ask God to change your heart, to show you the areas where, you, where it's hindering you from loving that way, from loving your enemies, all those things. Okay, but number one, remember that all people are created in the image of God. All people. Even those that don't believe, it doesn't change who their creator was. I can, I can rip the tag off a Ford truck. It's still a Ford truck because Ford made it. All right, I can spray paint Chevy on the side of it. It's still a Ford. Some of you out there that are very passionate about trucks, this is the most you've gotten excited the whole time. You better believe you can't. Yeah. Remember that all people are created in the image of God. They're his image bearers. They're his children. How do you treat them? What helps she remember this? Do you want someone to be punished more than you want them to be saved? Do you want someone punished more than you want them to be saved? 
If so, I encourage you to go read the Gospels again. Jesus gives a parable about this. He who is forgiven much forgives much. You need to remember what you were forgiven of and loved and how you were loved. Do you want someone punished more than you want them saved? Do you want to be right or do you want to be at peace with someone? Because sometimes you can't, you can't have both. I got a big mouth, right? There's many times in the midst of all this as I've been attacked for, by family members for saying that we should calm down and love people. And one of the things that stopped me is I have to ask myself, I've been, the Lord's been putting this on my heart, do I want to win a battle and lose a war? Does me talking someone into believing I'm right have anything to do with whether I'm actually right? You with me? Just because someone doesn't believe me that Jesus says to love your enemy, right? Even if they don't believe it, does that make it not true? No. That's your pride talking. Speak truth and then let it go. One, remember all people created in the image of God. Two, this is so big, and this is what I meant earlier. Have empathy and sympathy. Both of them. Let yourself feel what it must be like. We are living in a time. Put yourselves, well, put yourselves in the shoes of the other person. Because 99% of the time, anger comes from hurt. And then you can add this to it. You ready? You want to know how to love people that way? As yourself. Remember that. Because when you think, well, what does that mean? How do you want to be loved when you are most unlovable? How do you want to be loved when you're most unlovable? Do you want someone screaming in your face, punching you, kicking you? What about the times you've been wrong? Have there been times in your life you've been wrong and you've been embarrassed about it and you learn later, even if it's years later? You're taking away someone's opportunity to change by condemning them. You're saying God can't change a heart. You're making them an enemy. Well, that's okay, because what are you supposed to do to your enemies? Ooh, you see, I tricked you. Love them. Have empathy and, sim- empathy and sympathy. Some of you, you know, you don't understand it. I've seen, you know, I, racial itch- issues, I don't understand. I don't pretend to understand. One, I'm white. I know it's probably hard to tell. Okay? I'm white, so I don't know what it is to be a black man. I don't. I don't know what it is to, make, you know, to look different. But I know this much. I have uh, black friends. I've seen how... how call it like subtle things can change I believe them that they're treated differently I believe sometimes I believe that there are cops out there that aren't um, that are crooked that are racist that just doesn't mean everyone is but here's the thing it goes the other way around too that doesn't mean that those that they don't fear that all it takes is one experience with a cop to make you change the way you interact all the time Have sympathy and empathy. Just because you don't understand doesn't mean that fear and that anger and that frustration and that hurt isn't real. We should understand that, all right? Look at Jesus. A great example is Jesus and the Samaritan. He wasn't a Samaritan, but he understood and empathized and sympathized with the Samaritan woman. How do I know that? Because when she tried to bring up the areas that separated them, which was, well, you know, you say we got to worship here. My people say worship here. Jesus said, don't worry, there's going to come a time. When people will worship in spirit and truth, those are the kind of worshipers God wants. That's it. Jesus was looking and having empathy for her and understood her situation. Because the other side, that's not love. You know, pain is, is real. Even if someone's, a situation doesn't have to be real for pain to be real. 
It took me a long time to realize that. You know, people used to come and say, Todd, you hurt me. And I would say, well, it doesn't, I didn't mean to hurt you, so it doesn't matter. That's so selfish. Because, no, I'm not going to admit wrong when I'm not wrong. And I'm not telling you to do that. I'm not going to carry the wrongs for somebody else's mistake. I'm not going to carry the wrong for a, an evil, corrupt moment that a police officer did. Because we have the same skin color. Because that's no different than what people are doing to them. I'm not carrying the weight of that. However, that pain and that fear and that frustration, I, I believe it 100%. And I care. And I want to live in a world where people aren't ID'd and hurt and treated differently because of that because we are all made in the image of God. You see, at the end of the day, there is, there is someone, a true enemy, who wants us to be divided. Who wants us to forget that we're from the same Father. You know, the Bible says that your struggle isn't against flesh and, isn't against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities of the spiritual realm. We have an enemy. Your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. What if I told you you didn't have to pick a side? What if I told you you could love everyone? I even know as I say that I'm going to be called names by both sides. But it's the truth. Number three, love boldly, even when it isn't popular. See, the most heartbreaking thing I don't like to do this. Again, I said it, but let's talk about this. Let me tell you something that makes me sad. So I have people. Are you willing to stand up when it has a cost? Are you willing to love when it has a cost? Now, I don't want to judge the people that were in the situation watching what happened to Mr. Floyd. I don't want to judge them. But I'll say this. People got a lot more brave and a lot more loving and a lot more bold when the guns were gone. What would it have looked like to try to love him right there? I don't know. I, I, I'm not judging anyone for that because fear is real too. But listen, are you willing to love boldly? Are you willing to stand up and say this is wrong even if the world says it is? Are you willing to love someone when maybe your entire family, your entire friend group, your entire church, your entire country says no? Are you still willing to love them because Jesus said to? What if it costs me something, Todd? What if I lose my friendships? What if I lose my family? Jesus said anyone that loses anything whether a father, a brother, a husband, or wife, he will surely be rewarded for more in the time to come. He says that. I'm not going to forget you. I know you've, you've had to sacrifice. Don't let the world change the definition of love. Speak up in your circles. When someone's saying something that's inappropriate, speak up. When you see wrong, no matter who it is or what it is at work, in your churches, in your families, stop it. Stand up. Say something. When you see that person that's lonely and broken, when you see the person that's messed up and the church says, you, you don't deserve forgiveness, will you be the person that walks with them? Will you be the person that picks them off the ground and carries them home and pays for the room, right? Like the parable room. Will you, will you love them when the world tells you to leave them? Are you willing to love boldly? Or are you willing to love when it's convenient? Because true love has a cost. Because the man who showed us how to love this way paid a terrible cost. They killed him. Both sides hated him. Did you know that? The Romans hated him. Oh, he's causing trouble. The Jews hated him. He's telling us to love these unclean people. He's threatening our authority. You killed him. I killed him. Jesus wouldn't be popular today either, even in churches, some churches. Number four, remember that your identity as a Christian is above all other identities. That means political, racial, 
economical. I think that's a word. Your identity as a Christian trumps everything. You are a Christian first and foremost. I have, a, I have a Christian brother. He calls me, I love this guy. He has probably loved me more purely. I, I don't know if he sees this. He's from Haiti. We've never met. Some of you that are close to me know this. He still reaches out to me. This guy loves me. He calls me his dear brother all the time. He's never asked me for anything. Have I given him some stuff? Sure, because he's my brother. And you know what's crazy is at first, you know, that American, he's like, what is happening here? But he is my brother. I love him dearly. He encourages me. I'm sitting here going, dude, you have nothing by the world's standards. And yet when I speak to you, I walk away enriched. That's my brother. I am his brother. Because he's not Haitian. I'm not American. We are just brothers. Because our father is the same. Number five. Remember that it doesn't have to and won't often make sense to the world. The kind of love that you're being called to doesn't make sense to the world, guys. It doesn't. I promise you. Even if it's accepted part of the way, remember the lines? There's going to come a line when it will stop being acceptable. Don't you want justice? Sure I do. Sure, sometimes it's hard for me not to take vengeance because I, I see evil, guys. I, I, some of you are my friends. When someone like steps on your toe because I love you, I'm mad and I want to fight, right? Like That's the truth. It's not easy, but that's the call. It reminds me, man, Jesus, and it's the same call Jesus has done over and over again. It costs everyone. You know, the rich man, I followed all of these. Jesus said, you know the laws? He said, I followed all of them. Jesus said, okay, um, well, you, you lack one thing. Sell all of your stuff. He was rich. Give it to the poor and follow me. It says the, the rich young man walked away sadly because he had many possessions. Follow me, Todd. Don't, or... You know, don't hate this guy. Don't get revenge on this guy. Follow me, Todd. Love this guy. Ah, I can do anything, God, but I can't love him. So I'll go home. Are we willing to follow him all the way to the cross if necessary? Because that's, that's what he's saying. It's a beautiful thing to see indescribable love. And you know it when you see it, don't you? Yeah. Jesus showed us what it looks like, that it doesn't make sense. He let himself be slapped. He let himself be killed. He asked for forgiveness for those that killed him while he was dying. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. Don't punish them, Father. I thought about that today. No joke. Because we're like, oh, that's beautiful. We'd all do that. I don't think I'd do that. I'd be like, kill him. Drop lightning on him, Lord. He didn't. He said, forgive them. Because his love trumped his desire for revenge. He wanted, the, he wanted us saved. Because have no doubt, forgive them. It's not just the Roman soldiers stabbing him. It's me and it's you. Listen, before I get taken to mean what I don't mean. Um, so I went to a counselor. So I guess this is kind of my pre. I don't know how to preface an addendum or like I guess my way out. Uh, he said that, I, I think I've shared this, he called me, it was not a compliment, because he was warning me, he said, you're a justice, Todd, that's personality type. You know, Mother Teresa was a justice, and I was like, yeah, that sounds good, and he goes, Hitler was also a justice, I'm like, that's not so good, right? I desire for justice, I see it, I want to fix it, that's who I am, you know, but there's a thin line between justice and vengeance, by the way. But, 
Listen to me. I understand the desire, and I hate you know, what I saw in that video, and I hate what I see in this world sometimes. Listen, absolutely we should stand up to injustice and evil as believers, but not at the expense of love. Otherwise, we haven't changed anything. If I hate a hater, I haven't taken away any hate. If I let my hate drive me to kill someone who hates, right? Batman says this, believe it or not, right? If you murder a murderer, there's, if you haven't actually decreased the amount of murderers in the world, Batman, no, you didn't think I'd quote that in the middle of this. You haven't changed anything. We cannot compromise the gospel even for injustice. Oof, that's, that's not palatable. We cannot compromise the gospel even for injustice because we trust God to give true justice someday. What if the Jewish, what if the Christians, what if Peter had said, hey guys, there's this guy Saul going around killing everyone, all of our believers. We're going to get a mob, we're going to go grab Saul, we're going to kill him. Say goodbye to half the New Testament because Saul became Paul. God wasn't done with him yet. We don't know what God's going to do. We don't. We cannot compromise the gospel even for injustice because we trust God to give true justice someday. There will be a day when there will be real justice. Because there are really bad people in the world, guys, that get away with stuff you don't even know about. What do we do then? Say God's unjust? No, they will, justice will happen. Listen, at the end of the day, we are loved indescribably by God. And we are both called and empowered to love the same way. He who says he loves God but hates his brother is a liar and there is no love in him. God is not in him. Paraphrasing, that's what the Bible says. Did you know that? He who says he loves God but hates his brother is a liar and the truth is not in him. We are called and empowered to love that way. It isn't comfortable. It isn't always understandable, but it is always powerful and it's always indescribable. How are you showing love? In the midst of the turmoil, you can't change everything. Maybe God will give you a platform you can. I hope so. I think you're amazing people, even you watching. I hope he gives you a platform that you change the country. But what if he doesn't? That doesn't mean you can't change your world. You can't change the people around you that you interact with, that you can't be Jesus who changes culture in your world. How are you showing love? Not just during the tri these trials, but in the quiet times. What do you mean, Todd? Listen. You take notes. Listen, this is important. We often reap the fruit of what we sow in peace during times of trouble. Oof. That's Holy Spirit, I know, because I don't know how like, that hits me. I'll say it again. We often reap the fruit of what we sow in peace during times of trouble. What do you do? How do you act? How do you love? It won't make you popular to love this way, guys, to the world, but sometimes even to other Christians. They will accuse you of being hateful to one group or another. How can you stand for, don't you care? I had a guy tell me recently who, who I was just trying to say, man, like, listen, burning and hurting innocent people because of hurt isn't okay. And he told me, yeah, well, I know one other guy who was willing to turn the world upside down and riot, Jesus of Nazareth. This guy's not a Christian. I said, absolutely he would stand up for that, but he wouldn't burn the world down on the way out. He wouldn't. That's not saying, I mean, that's reality. That's not popular now. Half of you are like, what are you saying? Yes, I'm saying you shouldn't kill innocent people and hurt innocent people because of what other people did that was evil. 
They will accuse you of being hateful to one group or another, but when you are accused and persecuted, you're in good company because they did the same to our Savior. We love indescribably because he first loved us indescribably. And will you love the same way when the world pushes you to something lesser because it makes more sense? Or will you love indescribably even when it doesn't make sense? I know things seem out of control, but Jesus is still in control. If you don't know who Jesus is, if you're out there saying this sounds crazy, man, man, (laughs) I'll tell you really quickly, even faster than normal. Here's the gospel in a nutshell. God created everything, and he said, this is for you. You are my sons and my daughters, and we lived in peace. And he said, here is the only thing. Let me be God. I'll tell you what right and wrong is. I'll tell you how to love. I'll tell you all of that. I'll be God. You're not. We said, no, we want to be God. We want to decide what right and wrong is. That's how we end up with all these different rights, by the way viewpoints, right? If, if I'm the final determining factor on what right and wrong is, if there is no standard for truth, then who am I putting myself in the place of? God. Well, that what happens when one little God's view clashes with another little God's view? And because of that, sin entered the world. Sin is not just the actions you do, though that is sinful. It is an inherent inside of you. We are born that way. It's a disease from our own decisions. And before you say, I didn't do that, yes, you do. The standard is perfection. Unless you've been perfect, you've rejected God today. You have. We were separated from God. And thousands of years of human existence, of war and destruction and famine disease have showed us what happens when the creation walks from the creator. God didn't leave us that way. We had a gulf too big to bridge. We could not get back to God, so God came to us. God came down in the form of man, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth. He existed. It's factual. You just decide who he is, a liar, a lunatic, or the son of God, as C.S. Lewis says. And this son of God, God himself, came down, taught us how to live, showed us what indescribable love really is, and then he showed us what indescribable love is as he died on the cross, a horrible physical and spiritual death. As he hung up on the cross, the father turned his back on the son, and Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was forsaken, so you never have to be. And he was raised from the dead on the third day. I don't care if you believe it. A lot of people saw it. It's a factual thing. Over 500 people saw him raised from the dead. He did it. He defeated death so that you never have to really die. So now what? On the cross, your sins, all those mistakes you've made can, are hung on the cross. But here's the thing. You have a choice still. Isn't that crazy that God gives you a choice? And he said this. The Bible says if you confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead, you will be saved. If you say to God, I am a sinner, I confess my sins, I'm sorry, God, I need you, Jesus. I don't know what it all means, it's indescribable, help me. You're saved. He will change you. Some of it, uh, it's indescribable. (laughs) You will be different, and and you will live forever. And you will never have to live in shame and worry and doubt. You'll have moments of it, but he will heal you. He will start the process of turning you into who you're supposed to be. And the promise is someday he's coming back to fix it all for good. That's it. So you're, wherever you're at today, you don't need me to pray with you. You don't need anyone else. You can go to God right now and have peace with God and have your sins forgiven. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for this day. Lord God, I thank you for indescribable love. God, I thank you that even though I can't describe it, you showed it to me. And I thank you so much for your faithfulness when I'm not faithful. And I thank you, Lord, that even though the world feels out of control, you've said that 
that you still have control of it. God, I pray for our country. There's so many hurting people, so many scared people. God, there's division everywhere. Father, I pray that you would bring healing. God, I pray that your church would rise up and be the city on the hill it was meant to be, that it would be the light of the world, that we would stop hiding under, under a bed, as you said. You don't put a light under a bed, but you put it on a lampstand for everyone to see, that we would stand up and speak truth, even when it's scary and hard. And God, I pray that, for lack of a better word, a revival, that people would turn to you in the midst of all this, that you would take what's meant for bad and make it beautiful and good. Father, we trust you, and I pray, uh, man, for the people out there who are struggling through their own uh, frustrations, through their own things, those out there that don't know you, that think that they can't be good enough for you, Father, I pray that they don't have to be because you were good enough. And I just pray, Lord, that we would all begin to truly turn to you, be changed, and learn how it is to love indescribably. Father, we thank you so much. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.